Welcome to another edition of On the Inside Track. How do we know which choices are ours to make? How do we know the best choices to make? Join me as my guests and I explore defining moments from there to here. I'm Debbie Hazelton on the Inside Track. This week, my guest is Ricky Inger, and I apologize for not bringing you part two with Joe Steinkamp. Uh, I think my software or something made him sound like he was on Star Trek. Enjoy time with Ricky Inger. I know many of you have known her from the community over the years, and uh, it's a pleasure to be with her for this edition of On the Inside Track. Welcome, Ricky. I am so happy to be spending time with you and have you on this show. I really Me am. Me too. Uh, and I have always been impressed with you from the moment we met. And I really think that all of us would love to know more about what are some of the the choices you've made and what are some of the defining moments from there, back then, to wherever, to now, here? Wow. So... <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my first defining moments, and I can't remember how old I was, but I remember that I had been, uh, I was I was in class, I was in an English class, and this was in elementary school, and we were asked to, uh, we'd read a story, and we were asked to do something creative after having read this story, so something creative that was somehow involved with this story. And a lot of people kind of did a summary of the story. A couple of people wrote poems. I decided (laughs) that Mm -hmm. I would write, of all things, a rap that I did with a British accent. Oh, wow. (laughs) And when I did that, and I was up, didn't feel nervous at all. Maybe I should have in retrospect, <laughs> but I, I think I was too young to know better. Uh, got up and did this uh, this this rap with a British accent, and everyone was just laughing hysterically. And I think at that moment, I realized I really like speaking in front of people. Mm-hmm. Realized that there was nothing quite like taking something that had come from my own head and sharing it with a group of people. And it wasn't so much about uh, this was funny or whatever. It was more just I've taken something that was in my head and I was able to share it with people and they got what I meant. You know, they got Mm -hmm. it on the same level as I did. And I think from that point, I realized public speaking is kind of a cool thing. I like it. That is so cool. Uh, uh, do you remember what it, what it was? Do you want do you want to I share? wish I could remember what the story was and what the rap was, but I just remember those two things oh. that it was a rap with a British accent. That is so cool. That so it was is, probably it, I think it was something about Charles Dickens. Uh-huh. Uh, so, uh, you know, 
can't remember anything beyond that. But well, I was pretty young, as I said, in elementary school, third or fourth grade. Oh, I bet people were so surprised. I mean, just because they didn't do anything that creative. And, and you know, it brings to mind, um, people often think that an introvert or an extrovert is based on kind of how... Uh, gregarious one is. And, and it's absolutely not. It isn't. I know it. Yeah. It, and so that, I, I never even knew that about you. I knew you were good at it, but I didn't <laughs> know that. Wow. Yeah. And I'm very much an introvert uh, by nature, mm-hmm. but I enjoy people. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, I don't mind, I don't think introversion means being shy. No, Uh, it's just do you feed off people in their energy or do you uh, need a recharge at the end of the day Mm -hmm. and need a bit of alone time? And and that's me. Yeah, me too. So that was way back in elementary. Yes. I remember another one in college and I can't say it was an exact defining moment. It was just sort of a shift in my perspective. Mm So I went into college uh, majoring in psychology. It was something that I had always really been fascinated by. Mm. And I loved learning about the human mind and all of the fascinating things inside of it and how everyone could be different and uh, just has always fascinated me and still does. But I think I had completed my first year of college And this was sort of in the midst of the computer revolution. So it's like 1995 and the internet is becoming a huge thing. And I was so amazed about all of the things that you could do with this brand new medium. Mm -hmm. But I was still thinking, well, I really like psychology. But as I thought more and more about it, uh, I realized, you know, a lot of the blind people I know are either doing things in radio, like they all wanted to be DJs, or they were all majoring in psychology. And I started to feel like a stereotype, even Mm -hmm. though it was something I was genuinely interested in. Mm -hmm. I started to question myself, you know, I don't want to do psychology if all the other blind people are doing psychology. I guess it's a bit like uh, if I were a musician, which I'm really not, you know, Mm -hmm. would I have had that same introspection of uh, it's it's such a stereotypical thing Mm -hmm. for a blind person to be a musician. Mm -hmm. So because of that, and it's not really the best reason to have turned away from something, but because of that, because I felt at the time that I wanted to define myself as not just a blind person, Mm -hmm. and somehow I felt that my career choice would assist in that one way or the other, I decided, you know, this computer thing is kind of cool. I remember uh, doing programming on the Apple IIe. I wonder how good I could be at uh, majoring in this, so I switched my major, and uh, I majored in computer information systems and minored in business, so it was an entire shift away from uh, psychology, which was, you know, very 
concentrated on humans mm-hmm. to <laughs> concentrating on machines. Wow, that is big. And was that a big adjustment? It wasn't so much in that I was interested in both things. And I think I've always been one of those people who's a jack of all trades and master of none. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of uh, switching from one thing that I'd be okay at to another thing that I'd be okay at. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a huge deal then, but thinking back on it, I do sometimes wonder what would I have done had I majored in psychology? Would I have gone on to get a a master's or a doctorate? And would I have been a a practicing psychologist or psychiatrist? Or where would that have taken Mm me? Well, and and interestingly enough, I remember when I came into computers, I was fascinated at what they could do to bring people together. I mean, all of the ways that people can chat and talk and text and everything. I mean, I I think psychology and computer uh, kinds of things even work together in some ways. Yeah, they're not so far apart as it might seem. (laughs) I remember being in an English class and uh, my professor was something of a pioneer at the time. She, uh, I don't know if you remember Moose, M-O-O, and it was like a multi, multi-online something or other. Mm. I forget even what it stand, stood for. Okay. But it was essentially you would create this online environment. And you could uh, do things anywhere from writing on the chalkboard to throwing oh, yeah. things at people virtually. <laughs> and you could chat. So she decided that she would conduct her entire English class in this this moo setting so we would go online and we would meet once a month in person but the other three weeks uh we would be in this online environment and i think that was the first time i realized just how amazing this could be even though we were all in the same town the same Mm -hmm. thing could have applied around the world yeah, well, I think, and it and it certainly has helped uh, a lot of people with disabilities not be so isolated. Yeah, for sure. I think that's that's one of the biggest things about technology is that it has opened so many doors, not just for employment or doing doing practical things like online banking and the like, but allowing people to communicate with one another either uh with other people who share the same disability or with just the population Mm -hmm. in general that they could have never spoken with otherwise that became a landmark shift point i gather you did really well with it i I graduated eventually yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i didn't get into podcasting until I guess it was 2000, it's hard to remember, 2008, I think. Mm. But before that time, I wanted to share my knowledge with other people in terms of technology. And I don't know that that is exactly what I set out to do, but I sort of lucked into it, thankfully. Uh, I graduated, I got married 
and I moved across the country all in the same month. <laughs> it wow. was a very oh busy month. Goodness. I was in a small town in Texas, and uh, I knew that I wanted to move somewhere where job opportunities would be more plentiful because where I was, there simply wasn't a lot to do. You had like the Walmart distribution center and uh, perhaps a couple of cable companies and that kind of thing. But it's, uh, I think job opportunities were few and far between. So I wanted to go somewhere that uh, there would at least be more options. Um, The place where I was living at the time sent a letter saying, uh, we're demolishing your apartment building and you have 30 days to get out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next day, a friend of mine who had moved to uh, Charlotte, where I am now, she had no idea what had happened, but she randomly called and said, so I know you were thinking of moving somewhere. Well, a house behind me just opened up for rent. So, you know, if you're still considering it, maybe I can hold it open for you. And thus I took off and <laughs> moved across the country, did a lot of applications for uh, help desk technician and things like that, because that's sort of what I thought I would do as an entry level person just out of college. Uh, well, I met a gentleman who was running a nonprofit agency for people with physical disabilities. So it could be blindness, deafness, uh, you know, motor control issues, that kind of thing. Didn't matter. What he wanted to do was use his contacts in, uh, in Charlotte, his business contacts, to do some networking for people and, and get them employed. So he was looking for a person to come in and, uh, and, help with things. So I was able to do uh, resume writing, interview skills, and train people who weren't as familiar with the computer and needed to do that in order to be more competitive in the workforce. Uh, So that was an amazing opportunity because I got to train people uh, using Zoom text, which I wasn't that familiar with at the time, so I had to become really quickly familiar with it. Uh, I trained people with cerebral palsy. Uh, I trained on uh, JSA and Dragon Naturally Mm -hmm. Speaking, so uh, just a whole group of people that I was able to, uh, you know, work on job readiness skills, which was kind of funny because I was entry level in the job market at the time as well. It was great fun, though. And so you found you had a real aptitude for doing these uh, kinds of trainings and working with lots of people. Yeah, and I I learned through that experience that as much as I love working one-on-one with people, uh, I also loved working with groups, Mm -hmm. being able to uh, do public speaking to, at the time, people like the Lions Club and Others who, uh, you know, we were we were looking for fundraising opportunities, and unfortunately, as these things go, there was a need for sort of a token person with a disability. This is, you know, this is why we're doing it. So let's let's uh, let's bring out that token person and let the uh, let them make you feel great about the money that you're giving, <laughs> and. I always kind of 
hated the idea of that, but at mm-hmm. the same time, I enjoyed the challenge of uh, shaking up expectations a little bit, mm-hmm. being able to do some public speaking and say things that maybe people weren't expecting, but I wanted them to come away from uh, an event like that more educated, more open-minded than they were when they came in. I gather getting some really good results, getting people up to speed. Yeah, it's it helped to, I guess, have an immediate response from an audience and to know that they they left and at least for a little while were thinking differently than uh, when when they came in. So I enjoyed mm-hmm. that very much. I did have to make the decision though uh, to step away from that for a bit. When my son was born, I decided that I needed to just focus on being a parent for a while. Mm-hmm. And growing up, I babysat my sister's kids and thought, oh, I never want to do this mom thing. I just don't. It's just <laughs> not for me. And boy, did my feelings ever change about that. (laughs) Again, a wonderful shift point. Yeah, it gave me a chance to uh, sit back and do something that was very much different than anything I had done before. Uh, And there was still the technology, of course, only this time it was uh, more for uh, me and my downtime or for uh, being able to look at things online when my son was three or four and they would have these online picture books, which was super cool. And at that time it was, I realized just how much technology was going to be a part of everyone's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, when I was growing up, it was braille books, uh, print braille books, that kind of thing. And while I did have some of those and we read them together, I was also able to do some basically like multimedia books that I would find online that might have animal sounds in them mm-hmm. and a picture of the animal. And then, of course, the the word for what the animal was. So technology was still a part of my life at that point, just in a very, very different way. And in a way, I would think that psychology was a part of your life in that it was very important to be in relationship, fostering, helping to, helping this child to to grow and become. Yes, and it was such an interesting, and and still is, it's an interesting path. Uh, I think that when you're very young and naive and you consider having children, you have this idea that, uh, you'll have the child and you'll be able to instill this and instill that and uh, you have a vision of what you want your child to be and if you just do all the right things, <laughs> that mm-hmm. that will happen and you'll have the the ready-made child that, you know, you, you built. And when you actually become a parent, you realize that you can and should, of course, instill your values and uh, teach certain things. But this child is not an extension of you. This child will not be whatever you had in mind. (laughs) This child is his own person. Mm -hmm. And it's 
I mean, I delighted in that, even if it was a little bit of a surprise. It was like, oh, yes, you have personality traits that I would never have even considered, but this is really fun to explore. (laughs) How old is he now? He is 14, so we are now into the teenage stage. He just uh, began high school this year, and uh, that has been all sorts of fun (laughs) in lots of ways. Uh, My career has changed a bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. I did a lot of podcasting. I did some uh, documentation and project management and assisted in software development, not so much coding anymore, which is interesting because uh, when I was in college, I was pretty good at coding and then just realized this is not the part of this that I want to be involved in. I'd rather document how it works uh, or I'd rather teach people how it works. Uh, And so I did a lot of that. And um, in... 2014, uh, my previous job ended and I was like, what do I want to do next? I really don't know. And again, being jack of all trades, master of none, it was kind of like there isn't one single talent that I personally could point to and say, this is the thing I'm best at. So it was like having too many choices and I wasn't sure what do I really want to do? And Mm. just by happenstance, I've always been lucky in that the right person has come along uh, for me at the right time to point me in a particular direction. Uh, That's always been wonderful, just having friends or former colleagues and things just kind of happen. And in this case, uh, I had a friend who said uh, there is a group who's looking for web accessibility testers. And so you go through these web pages and you figure out what's wrong with them and you write up reports. And that sounded like the most boring thing ever to me. (laughs) It was like, I don't know what I want to do, but I think this would fall into the category of what I don't want to do. However... (laughs) I need to take on something for a little bit and uh, I'll do this until I figure things out. Mm -hmm. I've been doing it ever since and I've learned to really enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise. Oh my gosh. That is great. It's been fun. It's been, again, I, I never thought it would be the kind of thing I felt like it was going to be just way too tedious. And as I did more of it, I realized, you know, there's actually a lot to this. And I like doing documentation and I like figuring out how things work. So surprisingly, this this has worked out well. I also get to do uh, some project management and uh, some corporate training in my current position. So I always tend to do well with 
not just one thing. Mm -hmm. Give me several things, yeah. and uh, that keeps things interesting. Oh, yeah. I can, <laughs> I can understand that one. So I, I was thinking that as you were talking, because I would imagine that in some of the corporate work, you get to do um, a form of advocacy with this, showing them why it's important to make some changes. Yes, and that has been wonderful. Uh, I've I've gone into groups of developers and designers who know that they have to write these web pages and design these things to be in conformance with the law. And there's sometimes a little resentment, but more often than that, it's sheer confusion about we've never thought about anyone who uses the computer differently than we do. We have no idea what they would do. I'm sure this is going to be just completely overwhelming. You know, how do we handle this? And when they see someone come in and very casually be able to use a computer and demonstrate how it works, being able to see that helps tremendously because now there's a human face on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you if you know of Lainey Feingold. I do, okay. yes. Okay, good. So you know of her book? Oh, yes. Oh, great. She's done so much mm -hmm. uh, for all of us in the legal space and uh, advocacy, and she is one amazing person. Yes, she is, and I would think that your work and her work uh, would... Um, probably work very well together. I haven't had the opportunity to work directly with her yet, but, uh, you know, the, the, uh, it, it's early yet, so you never know. You never know, yeah. <laughs> I will say that it is wonderful to, uh, to have your best friend and your romantic partner all in mm -hmm. one. Uh, we knew each other since 2007, and there, there was nothing romantic there for quite some time. Each of us were already in relationships, which came to an end for other reasons. Mm -hmm. But during that time, uh, you know, for the first five or six years or so, it was having someone that I developed an incredibly close just friendship with mm -hmm. and that has been such a great foundation uh for everything else that's come after mm -hmm. and it's the the funny thing is that i think neither of us knew or acknowledged anything like that for uh for many many years it was just a wonderful friendship and then when there was a chance for more we could think about that and as I said, it was such a wonderful foundation, and we've done a lot. Uh, we had a show called uh, End of Line Show that we did, and that was kind of like the best example to me of seeing our chemistry in action because we're talking about books and movies and food and oh. all sorts of geek things <laughs> that just – it's two friends with a guest – in a room talking and that appealed to other people as well because uh, we had differing opinions on things and that kept things interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, we would each, we would have a segment talking about 
what we were reading or watching or eating at the time that was worth sharing with the rest of the world. And that, I think, was uh, one of the more fun ongoing projects that I've had a chance to be involved with. Uh, it was it was great. Any last minute info to slip in here? Uh, for the moment, I'm just keeping busy by day with the uh, web accessibility testing. I'm working with a group called uh, Tech for All. So if any of you have uh, businesses that uh, you know you have contacts with who could really use some web accessibility testing, we're happy to do that. Okay. But uh, I'm on Twitter. You can find me at Ricky, R-I-C-K-Y underscore Inger, E-N-G-E-R. That's probably the best place to interact with me. And sometimes I disappear because, again, that don't want to touch a keyboard at the end of the day thing. And then <laughs> sometimes I'm a little chattier than others. Thank you, Ricky. Thank you for being here and for all you do in the community.